When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code SPOTIFY to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code SPOTIFY at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code SPOTIFY. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod, I am Cam. Uh, and Michigan State comes out of this one, 78-71 in Bloomington against the Hoosiers. Um, and Rod, it's kind of a, a refreshing game in the sense that the offense played really well, um, or at least <laughs> up to what we think they could play. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, first, I think you had – look, offensively, I thought they played really well. If you take away that just First horrific 10 minutes. Yeah. start, yeah, yeah, they were really good. And I really liked, you know, I thought about this earlier when in the year when we were talking about Rocket Watts coming off the point, and I, I was advocating for Henry uh, because I just felt like Rocket and Langford need to be out there. Yeah. In this yeah. game, we've we saw a lot of that, especially in the first half. That's really what got them back. Um, Langford looked like he was playing the point for a lot of that time. He he did he did. It was it's kind of a it's kind of a nominal point. I mean, they weren't really asking Josh to to create anything, but he was kind of triggering the offense. I, but I I actually thought you know Rocket played a lot on the ball today. Yeah, and I thought despite the fact that he doesn't he didn't have spectacular numbers per se. Um, I thought Rocket Watts played a really, really good basketball game. Yeah, the best I mean, we've seen I, from I him thought, in a while. I, I, I hate to say this because Dan Dakich has deserved criticism, you know, up and down the line for pretty much the entire time he's been broadcasting for ESPN. But I'll tell you what, every once in a while, he'll call a game where I think he's just completely dialed in and not not going off on his – his stupid tangents and, and getting stuck on his one talking point, et cetera. I thought he nailed this game today. One of the things he nailed, and there were others, um, was that it was the best he'd seen Rocket Watts play in a long time. And I agree. Yeah. Because yeah. he was, he was under control, yet he was giving Michigan State something they haven't had at that position. And that was stability. Mm. You saw early in the game. I mean, I hate to keep beating on the same drum, but. If anybody seriously thinks AJ Hogart is ready to play in a Big Ten game right now, they're not watching the same games I am. He was lost. He, he's I, unplayable. 
right now. He's unplayable. So to me, that means you're going to have to do what Michigan State did today, which is Rocket playing big minutes, mm-hmm. and then you you figure it out from there with Josh on the ball. You run a lot of offense. They, truthfully, they ran a lot of offense through Aaron Henry. That's really yeah. what they're doing, but um, which is not a surprise. I thought that's what how it might be at the start of this season, mm-hmm. you know. But um, you know, when when Foster gets back, hopefully with his his shoulder, he can give you some solid minutes there from that perspective, that the offense isn't going to fall off a cliff. But I thought it was really big that they got that kind of steady basketball game out of Rocket Watts at both ends. And when you have uh, Rocket Watts playing 32 minutes, uh, Langford playing 36, and Henry playing 40, that means Gabe Brown gets 29 points, or 29 minutes, you know? That's another thing that Dan Dakich got absolutely right. I mean, yeah. look, if you watched the game and paid any attention to what was going on, you know that the game really started to turn with Michigan State to find itself early on. And then again, I think in the second half, when they went from that period where it was kind of oscillating between, you know, four and 10 point deficits to where they took the lead, a lot of it had to do with when Gabe Brown and Thomas Kiffier were on the floor. Yeah. Um, Gabe, this is really good to see because Gabe, I think, is is hopefully, since he's come back from COVID, starting to find some momentum in his game. If he can keep this up through the end of the season, that's a big plus for Michigan State to carry into next year, if he can do that. That's one of the things I've kind of got my eye on is, okay, you know, Izzo talked about the auditions, blah, blah, blah. Who's gonna, but who's going to respond to that in some way and, and give themselves that momentum, give themselves that reason to go into the off season and into next season with a lot of confidence that, hey, I could be something in this team. And Gabe Brown, Gabe Brown needs to play this way because I don't think they can really afford for him to be a guy who, you know, maybe gives them six points a night mm-hmm. going into next season. I think they need him to be a guy that they feel going into next year, hey, he's done enough now down the stretch of this season that for next year we can count on him. You know, and I, I think he's I think he's been great. Kithier, you know, Bainham too, but Kithier especially <laughs> I know, I know the brain hordes that want to see Thomas Kiffier bounce from the program are, are probably going to twist themselves into knots to try to get around this. But the simple fact is, Thomas Kiffier played a great basketball game today. Yeah, I mean, he um, kept he, Jackson Davis. That's it. In check. That's it. Well. That's all he really had to do, right? Because he didn't score much. He didn't have a ton of rebounds. But they needed somebody, anybody who could defend Trace Jackson Davis and not foul him. And Julius Marble couldn't do that. Matty Sissoko couldn't do that. And then Thomas Kithier could. Hmm. And and I think that, um, you know, there, there were obviously plays on the offensive end he made as well, the one where they were up two. Ball goes to him at the rim. He's got a chance for a layup, but it would have been contested. But he finds Gabe for a three in the corner. Michigan State never relinquished the lead after that. Mm-hmm. That was a huge play. And that's one we've seen Thomas make before. He's got great court sense. But, you know, do I expect that this is a game that will cause 
people to reassess what they think they understand about the game and about him? No, because I know what reality is and I know what human beings are like. But, um, yeah, Dakic had it absolutely right. The game turned with those two guys. And then, of course, again, you, you can't, you can't get away from the fact that three other guys, um, Josh Langford, especially in the second half, had a big day. Big day. Had a stretch yeah. where he scored eight straight points. As you said, took on some of the ball handling responsibilities, did a lot of nice things. Um, Rocket Watts, I already talked about, I think played a very steady game. And then Aaron Henry was, you know, on a day like this, you look at him and you think that's a guy who should be right in the mix of the talk among the best players in the conference. Mm-hmm. And he did it the way I've been begging Michigan State to do it, which was at the rim. I mean, I don't have the stats. Unfortunately, the schools, we've talked about this before, we record these things right after um, the games are over. And the schools have been much slower to come with official stats than they used to be this season for whatever reason, both schools. Um, I look at Henry's stat line, at least for what we got so far. Well, I I was going to say, though, I don't don't have – I don't have the – I don't have the points in the paint numbers, but I know at one stage it was dead even, and I don't think it probably got much away from that. Uh, And a lot of that on the Michigan State side was down to Aaron Henry. And if you're playing Indiana, even points in the paint on a day when Jackson Davis and even Race Thompson were having the games they had, I mean, those guys had 49 out of 71 points between them. And obviously neither one of them does anything outside of the lane. Mm-hmm. So if you're hanging with those guys in the paint, that's that's a sign of how well you played. And Aaron Henry was just massive. He was – I mean, I know you know Trace Jackson Davis, 34 points, 9 rebounds. Aaron had 27 and 5. But to me, Aaron Henry was the best player on the court today. Mm-hmm. A block and a steal, only one turnover. Yep. And he got to the line nine times, hit eight. Yep. Eight of them. Eight for nine. Yep. Yeah, only took two threes, hit one of them. Um, just a just a huge game for him, really. Um, you know, I I think that's the Aaron Henry, and with him, I'm not talking about taking momentum into next season. It's it's more about, um, you know, for the rest of this year, being the kind of guy that can lead his team. Mm-hmm. to wins like this. And I've, you know, I've believed he was good enough to do this. He really is. When you, when you look at it on balance, I mean, there are going to be a lot of negative remembrances of this season for MSU fans, but honestly, Aaron Henry's play, maybe you can, you know, claim he hasn't been the leader you hoped he'd be, hasn't dragged enough guys along with him, that kind of thing. But in terms of his individual play, Aaron Henry's had a year right in line with what we could have reasonably expected, I think. Mm-hmm. And he seems to be getting better as we're going. Yeah. You know? Uh, the other guy who didn't have a, who had, a, I don't know, a pretty good game, Bingham, 14 minutes, eight points, five rebounds, four for five, a block and a steal, only one turnover. Absolutely. I mean, Kithier got a lot of the talk from Dakich, Bingham had more production, um, but the two of them combined were really, really good. And this is, 
you know, again, unfortunately, it's this revolving chair nature of revolving door nature, I should say, of um, the five spot for Michigan State. You know, Julius Marble was just blasted defensively early in the game, just could not. It didn't have a prayer of guarding Jackson Davis and got in foul trouble because of it. And other than one three-point play early in the second half, uh, really didn't do anything, which was not a shock to me, right? He had 10 points against Purdue, whatever it was, and said, okay, well, he's done enough to earn a start in the next game, but odds are good he isn't going to do enough to earn the next start because <laughs> that's how it's been. Um, and and uh, Sissoko, I think, played hard. But, you know, did have four rebounds and two blocks, but he's he's not really ready to be a major, major guy if you're looking to win a game. So, consequently, Marcus Bainham steps up and plays very well. I, yeah, I liked Marky's game. I thought he was, I thought he was really good. Um, and, and he is the one guy, um, you know, Kithier, I think, was really important in this game because of the way obviously that he took Jackson Davis out of his comfort zone. He was hard for Jackson Davis to play against. Um, but there are games where Thomas's physical limitations will hurt him more. You know, a Trevion Williams is too strong um, most of the time, one-on-one. You know, obviously guys like Garza and Coburn, it's a similar deal. Marcus Bingham is the one guy they've got who's both closest to being ready to play, because that takes Maddie out of the equation, and actually has the ability to change a game defensively with his length and, and I think his improved awareness. You know, you're not seeing him get fried the way that he was earlier in his career on pick and rolls or just giving up terrible post position mm-hmm. to other players. You know, he's better and, and he's more aware of what's going on around him and how he has to fit in to the team defensive concept. So, um, yeah, really, really nice game for him. I mean, there's, that's the thing. There are a lot, we've reeled off a lot of guys that you could say very positive things about and, and really only a couple that, didn't do much. I mean, the <laughs> Joey Hauser, what do you end up with? Four points, one rebound. Didn't play a lot and frankly didn't deserve to play a lot. Right now, uh, I would say Joey Hauser to me is in a mental or psychological, uh, funk. Yeah. Because he's not, play- it, it, it was one thing earlier in the year where you might have games where Joey just wasn't producing. This is worse because the turn he had that stretch in the second half with two consecutive horrible turnovers, just horrible yeah. on inbounds, both of them. And that stuff uh, you're talking about, like like an eight to ten point type swing, because he got yes. that horrible turnover. They come down, hit a three in transition, and then he gives it up again. It's like, yeah, that's not just a turnover. That's like eight points. You know, they well, it was swung right. either Michigan way. State, Michigan State was down five and in inbounding. They turn it over, he turns it over, IU gets a three to make it eight, and then he turns it over again, they score to make it ten. So you're right, it could be as much as an eight-point swing. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, seven. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah, he's just not dialed in right now. That's the only thing I can attribute it to, is that he's going through a loss of confidence that is causing him to play tentatively, and it's leading to just inexcusable and unfathomable mistakes. You know, Malik Hall 
was not good early. He had turnover problems too. Very first possession of the game. They have Henry posted up. Terrible entry pass leads to a turnover. Um, he didn't play much after that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think understandably because Michigan State had other guys. I don't think it means that Malik Hall and Joey Hauser are out of the rotation, but it just goes to show you with this Michigan State team this year, it is a constantly moving target. And that is why I maintain that lineup talk is not going to solve anything because all the guys who played well today, you know, we're, we're talking them up and hats off to them and they deserve credit because they got a win, which has not been easy to get this season. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, there's no guarantee that all those guys are going to show up the same way in the next one. And, and I think that's why, you know, short of the guys like somebody like Hogard, you can't play him much. Maybe you can give him a four-minute turn. That's the most I'd go. Mm-hmm. Personally, Izzo's playing him a little more than that. I wouldn't because I think he's a disaster. Yeah. And he's a disaster at a position you can't afford a disaster. Yeah, only so eight to me, today. Yeah. yeah, to me, it's it's Rocket, and then you cobble it together with these other guys um, until Lawyer gets back, and then it's Rocket and Lawyer. And Sissoko's the other guy that, you know, if you're trying to win games, if you're looking to develop him, maybe you play him a little bit more. But, um, you know, everybody else, I think you just kind of, you throw in the hat, you see how they're playing that day, and that determines it. And that's how it was today for Michigan State. Izzo figured out who was going to give him what he needed today, and those guys played. Mm-hmm. So Gabe, as you said, got a ton of minutes, whereas he hasn't always gotten a ton of minutes this year. His playing time's been very up and down. Kithier played a lot because they were winning with him. Bingham played a lot after he didn't play much at all against Purdue. Um, so, yeah, I think that's where we're at. And and that's why, again, I think obsessed. Let's put it this way. I'm not ready to call for the starting lineup in the next game to be to include Kithier and Brown because it doesn't matter. Yeah, you got to yeah, see yeah. how they're playing on that tag. That's where this team is. There's nobody short of Henry and Langford that I think has proven to be reliable enough that you say, you know, okay, that they're an automatic. I mean, I'm looking, I didn't realize Josh's numbers were this good. I really mean, he had 14 points, but five for six from the floor, one for two from three, three for three at the line, six rebounds, five assists. He did have four turnovers uh, and a steal. But, man, other than those turnover numbers, and, and he was part of a really good defensive effort, which we're going to talk about when we get to the keys, and it's been a consistent key over the last few weeks, you've got to limit threes. That's another thing Dakich was right about. It was crazy. It was upside-down world today. Dan <laughs> was right about everything. But he was. And they're like, well, why aren't they doubling? Why don't they try something different with Trace Jackson Davis? He scored 34 points. Who cares? Mm-hmm. that's not necessarily going to beat you. What will beat you is if Indiana gets going from three, and they didn't. You know, and Josh was a big part of that, as were some yeah. of these other perimeter guys that played. Uh, yeah, it's the exact opposite of what they tried to do with Garza. I mean, he only had eight points, eight right. rebounds, and they got beat by 30. Right, And it, but it is, it is no, what they did against Purdue, and they were competitive in that game. They lost it, obviously, but they had a shot to win that. Yeah, and it was I think because they played that way, you know, Trevion Williams is going to get his, but we're not going to let them beat us from three. 
Um, you know, it was an interesting thing. One interesting twist that Dakic put on this. I don't know if that's what Izzo told him or if that was his interpretation, but the way he put it was Izzo doesn't think his offense is good enough to withstand like a 12 point run from threes. Hmm. You know, when you're, when you're digging down or doubling on a, on a post player and you're giving up threes. I guess that's one way to put it. I just, to me, it's just simply down to defensive efficiency, period. But, but he does have a point. This Michigan State team, not even just ability wise, but psychologically is not built to withstand big runs. Yeah. By opponents. So that, that is probably something worth considering as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we'll look at the keys. Defend the arc. Um, Indiana comes out of this one, yeah, four for nineteen for twenty one percent. It's fantastic. I mean, you you just you can't ask for a better job, I think, than than what they gave in in this in this contest in terms of doing the number one thing. I think you have to do if you're this Michigan State team to give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really all it's about at this point. It's with this team, you just, you, you want to be able to have a chance to compete, which hasn't always been the case. And, and this team, you know, figured it out and, and really did a nice job. I'm looking up, um, I'm trying to, let me see if I can get a number. I want to see what they've averaged in attempts. So 22, 396. Divided by 22 equals. Well, okay, so it's right about average. They're right at 18 three-point attempts a game, and they took 19. So MSU didn't really hold them down, but I do think they did a pretty damn good job at contesting most of those. Mm-hmm. And they never let anybody get hot. I mean, Franklin had a couple, right? Yeah, three well, for Franklin six had Franklin. three. Franklin had three of the four. So he's, and he's their best shooter. So he was the one guy they let get going, but, you know, Durham's been a reliable enough shooter. He was 0 for 2. Finnessy was 0 for 4. He's a guy that we've seen in the past can get hot. Beal and Galloway went 0 for 1. Lander with a terrible miss was 0 for 1. And Hunter hit 1. He was 1 for 3. So uh other than Franklin, who's been their best guy all year and looked it to me, I mean, you could see why he's having that kind of season because he not only hit shots, but he was able to create shots. A couple of those three that he hit were really individual plays where he just used his dribble to create space. It was real, I was really impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he didn't have, um, he, well, he had 13 points. He didn't have a huge day offensively, but, um, he, he was really impressive. Other than him, man, MSU kept him on lock. Yeah. So that's going to be the theme all year. I mean, the rest of the way, because they're going to continue to see this barrage of post players. You know, you've still got, um, Dickinson coming twice. You got Coburn. Um, I believe they've got Liddell coming. Uh, so they've still got post players coming down the pike who are capable of putting 25 or 30 on them. Yeah. But I think that's what you've got to do. You've got to play it straight with those teams and not give them the opportunity to get a lot of uncontested open looks from three because that's the thing that will take you out of games. Mm-hmm. The, the post players going crazy isn't likely to take you out of games. And I think with Henry uh, Watts and Langford, if they're able to play the majority of the time in the perimeter, they 
they can stop that. You know, it, it's not just luck. They're actually no. defending good enough no, no, to no, where no. they can shut it down. Not at all. I mean, you know, I'll have to pull up here the stats. Hold on. i pull up the stats, but um, I think that uh, I had a barking dog to contend with, folks. Um, <laughs> I want to see where Michigan State is at currently in terms of its three-point defense. So, you know, three-point percentage coming into this one, they were 80th in the country. They're holding opponents to 31.6%, and, and it's going to be a little better after this one. Mm. And then they're also 80th in three-point attempts as a percentage of overall field goal attempts. They're only Opponents are only taking 34.3% of their shots from three. That's a good number. Yeah. Defensively, that's the one that you're you're really impressed with because okay, that means you're holding opponents down just in terms of the number of of chances that they have to hit a three, um, you know, and they're all obviously as a result of those two numbers, the percentage of uh, points that opponents are scoring from three is really good. It's it's in the bottom third or, or the top third, however you want to look at it nationally. Um, but yeah, you're right. The guys, the guys that Michigan State is playing right now are capable. Yeah, that's the other thing too I want to say about about Watts. You know, remember that early on, for all the all the focus on him not being a point guard and oh his shot is gone and all that stuff. The real issue early, the profound one and the shocking one to me, was how badly he was defending. That's improved. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say he's been a lockdown guy yet, but you're not noticing defensive, you know, blown tires or failure to recognize, failure to close on a shooter, any of that stuff, um, because he's not doing it. You know, he's playing a reasonably solid brand of defensive basketball. Henry is much, much better than that. And I think Finally, Josh Langford has actually lived up to the way Tom Izzo talks about him as a defender. I think Josh Langford's been really good, particularly since uh, the return from the COVID break. Mm-hmm. I think Josh Langford defensively has been really, really good. Yeah. So you got those three guys you can kind of hang your hats on. You know, Lawyer is better than I think anybody expected him to be when he's in there. You know, Gabe Brown, still some bouts of inconsistency, but – um, with his length, he can give you some some stuff too. So, yeah, it's it's a way that this Michigan State team can succeed, and and by succeed, I just mean be competitive in games, which is really all they can shoot for now with this team. Mm-hmm. Can't be looking at it as, hey man, we got to blow people out of the gym. <laughs> I mean, that's not happening. So it's really about what can we do to be competitive, to hang around, to give ourselves a chance. And the number one thing to me is defensively, you just can't let teams get rolling from three. You look at the the one game since the, the Rutgers contest, which I don't even count because of the circumstances. You look at the one game that it really got away from Michigan State, and it was the game where they gave up a ton of threes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the second key free throw shooting, um, you know, actually they land, Indiana landed about where they do to, at 17 for 24, which was, um, uh, 23% of their final total. Um, yeah. 
Well, you saw why. Yeah. I mean, if you saw this game, you saw why. They're very, very physical, the way that they play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they finally seem to have – that's the funny thing. It's taken Archie Miller four years to really kind of get his brand of basketball established there. Um, there's a physicality this team plays with that was kind of reminiscent of the way his Dayton teams used to play. Um, you know, Jackson Davis and Thompson are obviously very different. Man, I'm, I'm looking at the free throw attempts now. 24 of them. Jackson Davis had 16. <laughs> he averages a ton anyway. He averages a little over eight a game, which is a really high number. He had double that. Um, that's, yeah, that's, uh, again, that shows you the difficulty that Michigan State had guarding him at times, especially early. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Marble just didn't have a chance. Um, but that was, you know, pretty well neutralized by Michigan State shooting 87%, 13 for 15. So there's only a four-point difference there right? because they shot right. so well. I, it, that's a good point. Now, it's also fair to say that number gets inflated a little bit by endgame situations where they were fouling intentionally. That's true. And that you've got a few more attempts. But in the end, that's how it looks. Um, I think the big thing is that IU didn't go crazy. Mm-hmm. IU averages, I believe, I believe it's 25 free throw attempts a game. Um, I'll, I'll see that number. And they had, what do we say, 24 today, right? Yep. So, um, you know, that, that would be keeping it right in line with their season, their season average. And that's, that's the bare minimum you want to do. What you what you don't want to do is let them just go crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where it really goes. If they have thirty or thirty five, something crazy like that. Um, so it's five twenty nine. Sorry here. So coming into this game, they were no, they were averaging twenty four attempts a game. So it's right on their average. So you're not thrilled. It's not a huge, and they were a little better shooting it than they normally are. They were 70.8%. So say about 5% better conversion rate than they normally have. Jackson Davis was a little better. He's a 66% shooter. He shot, uh, 75% today. Um, so he's pretty much responsible for that, that slight uptick, uh, on their seasonal averages. But the big thing is the attempts didn't go beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I wouldn't call it a plus. For MSU, but I would say it didn't turn into a huge negative. Yeah, uh, and then and again, more. that's what Kithier. Just to, sorry, just yeah, to, that's what that's a big part of Kithier's value in this game is that he defended Jackson Davis for long stretches without putting him at the line, even on the rare occasions he scored against him, which wasn't much. Um, he wasn't fouling him. I think he had one. I think there was one occasion where he fouled. Jackson Davis for Jackson Davis got free throws if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's a that's a big deal. It was a big deal in this game because Jackson Davis was on pace for to shoot thirty free throws. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy, and I'm only half exaggerating. <laughs> uh, and so rebounds. Um, it looks like a total. I got thirty six for Michigan State and twenty nine for Indiana off the ESPN. Offensive yeah, rebounds twelve for Michigan State, ten for Indiana. That's the that's the big thing. Now this this Indiana team, as we talked about, is not a very good offensive rebounding team. Early on, 
they were dominant. Yeah, it and it was scary. Every, I mean, there was not a single phase of the game in those first ten minutes that you could say Michigan State was faring well, and they were turning the ball over like it was nobody's business. They couldn't hit shots because Indiana was being really aggressive defensively, and Michigan State wasn't countering it. They weren't doing anything to counter it. They they weren't running sets that were freeing up shooters. Uh, they weren't back cutting. Um, they weren't getting guys into a good position in the post where maybe going one-on-one would have still produced something. It was just nothing. And and then you look at the other phases of the game. They were putting Indiana on the line and or letting them get great post position and scoring easy buckets inside. And um, and then they were giving up offensive rebounds when Indiana missed. So it was really an all-purpose disaster. Those first ten minutes, the, the the miracle is they were only down thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But I think as the game went along, you got to give Michigan State credit; they really steadied it from a from a rebounding perspective. I mean, when you look at the numbers, nobody had a huge day. The leading rebounder um, was Josh Langford, mm-hmm. which might be the first time in a long time we've been able to say that he had six. But Aaron Henry five, Bainham five, Brown four. Sissoko, Watts, three. They got a lot of rebounding out of a lot of different guys. Mm-hmm. And and so that's that's a big, big deal. Uh, Gabe Brown with three offensive rebounds. Boy, he, he was even better than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, yeah, I think that was a positive for MSU. Again, this, this Michigan State team is just not built to go out and just dominate somebody on the glass the way we're used to. But the fact that they got off to that kind of start and then kind of fought their way to an edge, big positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the fourth key threes. So MSU, we can thank Gabe Brown for this four for eight for him. Uh, they wind up 41%, um, seven for 17, but rocket hit one. Um, you know, he was one for two, Langford one for two, Henry one for two. So, yep. I mean, yeah, the only guy who really struggled was Hauser was zero for three. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gabe obviously seems as if he's dialed in shooting the three right now. Mm-hmm. He looks confident, and he's getting shots. It spots, you know, that corner three is such a weapon for him um, that, uh, boy, it reminds me so much of Morris Peterson when I see that. But um, that's a Ben Moager, too, was really good in that area, and, and Gabe's got that kind of thing going. Um, but I, I also want to give credit – to Michigan State's offense because the way they played, the way they forced Indiana to deal with them in the paint, Aaron Henry in particular, but really a combination of everybody, had a lot to do with it. Gabe Brown had a lot of wide-open looks. Yep, at the very end of the ball swinging all the way around, and then he's wide open. It was because of that, though. It was because Michigan State was assertive and consistent in terms of getting the ball into the lane, to the rim, into the post, and it's forcing Indiana to collapse more than they want to, and that's going to end up with somebody getting a good look, and and oftentimes today it was Gabe Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Terry- but this is what MSU needs offensively. It's yeah, it's you know seven seven for seventeen. That's not a ton of attempts, obviously, but Michigan State needs some three point production there's no two ways about it because they haven't they just haven't been consistent enough in other areas of the floor other phases of the game you know they don't get fouled enough to where you can hang your hats on free throw shooting 
the the post play and just ability to get the ball to the rim has been sort of in and out. So they they need this if they're gonna if they're gonna be uh, you know able to win these games that they're managing to be competitive in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then turnovers um, finished fourteen and ten. Um, fourteen for MSU, ten for Indiana. I've got eleven. Eleven for okay. Indiana. Yep. Uh, but this was ugly. I think at halftime, I, I thought I looked and it was like ten to two, Michigan State. Yeah, and and it was nine in the first nine minutes yeah. from MSU. So another <laughs> way of looking at it is the last thirty-one minutes of the game, five turnovers mm-hmm. by MSU, and two of them were Joey Hauser on consecutive plays. Yeah. Yeah. So they really did a nice job, and that's, that's what I'm saying. I, this Indiana's not, you know, you saw Indiana play aggressive defense, but they're not a defense that typically is trapping or looking to force turnovers. So when they're playing teams like that, and most of the teams they're going to play the rest of the way, that's how they defend. The Big Ten doesn't have a lot of high pressure teams, and and whatever ones they've got, I think are MSU's done with them basically on the schedule. So. The, the the combination that they use today, I think, is the right one. I think that's the one with the best chance of limiting those mistakes while at the same time giving Michigan State enough of a threat offensively to get some things done. Mm-hmm. That's the other end of it. You, you, you don't turn it over. Okay, great. Now what are you doing proactively, affirmatively to create offense? And I really do think it's – it's that lineup, you know, it's some combination of that lineup that we saw, but really it's going to be heavy rocket Watts, even if he's not always the primary facilitator. Mm-hmm. I just think that's how, again, I hate to give Dan Dackage credit, but I think he's <laughs> right. It's, you gotta, you gotta play him. You gotta let him go. Mm-hmm. I know he's been, I've been a critic here, but I, I look at this team and I just think there are not better options. A.J. Hogard has played his way out of being any kind of serious thought for a solution. Mm-hmm. And Foster Lawyer can't play at the moment. So what other choice do you have? You don't have a choice, yeah. as I see it. Yeah, I think, I mean, at this point, you almost have to do a, a point guard by committee. A little bit of That's Rocket, exactly a little it. bit of Langford, maybe even Henry a few times. Um and just roll with them because that's your three best perimeter guys, and that gives yep. Gabe Brown some a lot more minutes. And well, and particularly look, particularly if Malik Hall and Joey Hauser are going to be no shows the way they were today. Now, I don't think that's going to be consistently an issue. Both of those guys are fighting it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they both I'm trying to think. They both showed up and played very well against Penn State, right? Yeah. Malik Hall started. That was a game Malik Hall entered the starting lineup. He played really well, and Joey played really well coming off the bench. And then everybody was a no-show against Iowa. And then the Purdue game, neither one of those guys played particularly well. And now we got this one. So they're fighting it right now. They're going to continue to get their chances because, again, Michigan State has no choice. They have to. And we'll see what happens. But at the very least, if you're Tom Izzo, maybe you – maybe – you feel like you got a potential response if that's happening again. Mm-hmm. It's going to depend on the opponent too. Let's not forget Indiana, though they're a physical team beyond Jackson Davis, they are a very small team. You know, race Thompson yeah. battles and he's tough and strong. He plays hard, but he's six, six. 
there are other teams MSU's going to see that could probably create more problems for that lineup with those three guards and Gabe um, than we saw happen today. But at the same time, you know, defensively, I think Aaron Henry can hang with a lot of foremen in this league, you know. So I still think it's something that that's a card that Izzo might be able to play going forward. Now that all these guys are healthy, they they seem to be. <clears throat> that's the other thing too. I mean, Rocket just coming back from the flu or, or cold, whatever he had that wasn't COVID, thankfully. Um, you know, now you got him healthy. Gabe's fully back and engaged. And then the other two guys, Lineford and Henry, I think have easily been MSU's best players since um, since the layoff. So you got to feel okay about rolling with lineups where those four guys are out there with the center du jour, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I mean, it's going to be a tough week uh, coming up here. <laughs> yeah. They got Illinois um, on Tuesday, and then they turn right around and they got Ohio State, fortunately, both at home, so they're not traveling all right. over the place. Um, but, you know, Illinois is four, fifth in the country. Ohio State's fourth. Yeah, and then then it keeps the beat goes on. Sunday they're at Maryland. The following Tuesday, they're home against Indiana. Then the fourth Thursday, so just one day in between, they're at Michigan. Uh, and then the seventh, um, they're uh, they're home against Michigan. Now that's five and nine. So that's fourteen. So we should have six games. Of one, two, three, four. Five, six. Okay, so that's right. So, so that's really it. You know, that's, we've got this condensed schedule where starting on the 25th, so you got three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Six games in ten days. How do you like that? Yeah. And four, <laughs> four of them are ranked in the top five. <laughs> um, but, silver lining department, four mm-hmm. of the six are at home. Yeah, yeah. So at least you can say that if there's one. And and the other thing is, I I don't know if everybody is in quite this kind of crunch. I'm still not clear on what the Big Ten is doing with Michigan. That has struck me as a really strange deal. Uh, I'm not even sure that they're going to play 20. It, It doesn't look like it. From the, which is amazing to me because, you know, Michigan State didn't bitch about that. Michigan State went and played a game after three weeks off, essentially, where they had two days to practice. Yeah. You know, um, on the road, I might add. And, and that wasn't apparently the way Michigan approached it, and the Big Ten let them get away with it, which was strange to me, but whatever. My point was – most of these teams, in one way or another, are dealing with similar crunches. No, nobody's looking at coming in. I don't think with a six-day layoff mm-hmm. at this stage, you know. So, yes, it's very difficult circumstances, but you know, nobody's really coming in with with a great situation in terms of rest. Um, but you know, the thing is, you're going to get Indiana fairly quickly again. After this one, so you, you've seen them. Uh, Ohio State, they saw not that long ago. Um, second game back after the layoff. Um, and then you're going to get Michigan back to back. You know, you haven't seen them yet this year. It's only Maryland and Illinois that are, you know, teams that MSU just hasn't seen yet this year. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
you know, I would say there's some, you got to look at the schedule now and say there's, <laughs> I'm not in the business at this stage of trying to sort out, well, can they squeeze out a tournament bid? Cause let's, let's not be foolish. They're five and nine. And, and as you stated, we've got what four of these six games left are against top five teams at the moment nationally. Yeah. That doesn't seem like a recipe for success. However, the only good thing you can say about it is those are opportunities for wins that help you and get people's attention. Mm-hmm. So it's not if Michigan State had a remaining stretch with, you know, a couple games against Nebraska, Northwestern and Penn State, Minnesota, Maryland, they've got Maryland now, but I'm just saying if they had those teams, you'd say, boy, it's where their net is right now, even if they get those wins. It probably doesn't mean very much, but I'll tell you what, if they, I would say to, to feel like you really gave yourself a chance, you'd have to win four of these six because that would get yeah. you to nine and 11, right? And, and two, that would mean two or three of these ranked opponents. If you well, get a win, that's uh, by, de- by definition, it would mean you had at least because only Indiana and Maryland the rest of the way are not top five teams. Mm -hmm. So it would mean you'd have two wins over teams that are currently in the top five. Yeah. Yeah. That would be meaningful. You know, if you could do that, so split those four games and then beat Maryland on the road, beat Indiana at home, you know, maybe at least you make the big 10 tournament interesting. Mm -hmm. But look, we're, I'm not really advocating. We spend a lot of time thinking about that. If you're an MSU fan, I think again, I go back to Dan Dakich being right. Boy, it's killing me. But that bit he had about, you know, Tom, supporting what Tom Izzo was saying, that the only thing Tom Izzo really cared about is getting his team to play better. That's correct. And today they took a step forward. Now, this team's given you no indication that you should have any faith in the idea that that's going to carry over against Illinois on Tuesday night and they're going to play this well or better. You know, they've given you no indication of, of – um, no reason to have faith in that, but it's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity to prove that wrong and to say, yes, now we are a different team. And I, I again, I, I don't have a lot of faith in that because of the circumstances, all the things we're talking about, all these games in such a condensed period of time, no opportunity to really work on being a better Michigan state. If it just kind of happens, Great, I'll take it, but I can't say I expect it. Mm-hmm. But for one day at least, you know, we get to feel better about this, <laughs> yeah, and and feel like okay, they've still got a chance. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll get the uh, pregame up for Illinois here in the next few days, and until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.